0: Welcome to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you, and now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode. I pray that God has been blessing you richly this week. Today, we're going to be talking about something that has generated my interest pretty abruptly. And I'll give you the backstory as to why. So as most of you know, I am currently still a teacher in an elementary school. And every single Monday, we have a professional development meeting for all teachers. And, you know, students get to get out early. It's a great time for them time for us to kind of sharpen our skills as a group. So for an icebreaker, because it's at that point, it was the start of 2023. So some person heard this motivational speaker talk about one word that they want us to focus on for the whole entire year. And so and listening to that, I am usually a person, and I hate to say this out loud, but I'm usually a person that's pretty resistant to that uh, because I focus on what Scripture says. And so I believe in sanctifying myself through God's Word. But, you know, I, I was kind of intrigued by this, so I was listening to it, and I was really thinking about this one word that I wanted to focus on, and I was trying to think of it. And... uh Ultimately led to the decision of gentleness. And then I asked myself, what is gentleness? Because how I envision gentleness is like an older gentleman or older lady that people confide into and they give sound biblical direction in a loving, caring way that is not brash or harsh. And You think of some of the people that are stereotypical in churches that people avoid because you have the older people who just, they look like they uh, sucked on a lemon, and they have that scowl look in church, and that's how some people view that. But I have known people in the faith that have been just so warm and, and peaceable, and gentle that there are times where like, I want to be that way. So I chose that word and then I really got right on it. I got on to not just the worldly definition, but I wanted to focus on what gentleness is biblically. So the Greek word for gentleness is proud taste, which in essence means gentle in heart meek or humble. It is gentle strength or power that is under control. It is also a humble and gentle attitude that is patiently submissive in every offense. While having no desire for revenge or retribution, it is complete opposite of being out of control. This is not weakness in any sense of that word, but rather it is a supreme self-control which is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Also, in ancient times, it was thought of as soothing medicine, a gentle breeze, or a colt that was out of control and now tamed. Gentle. And gentleness also is used in the New Testament 12 times. So, as I went through this study, there were some things that opened my eyes as to what it was. Some of it I was correct on, others I wasn't sure and it was very enlightening. I had no idea that gentleness was basically humility. I had an idea, but it was patiently submissive in every offense, having no desire for revenge. So that's very powerful. In today's study, we're going to look at different aspects of gentleness. So, what are some reasons why we should study and increase our gentleness? Well, number one, we are commanded to pursue it. 1 Timothy 6.11 says, But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and, you guessed it, gentleness. Number two, it is how we are to share or present the gospel. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Number three, it is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that we ought to bear out in our lives. Galatians 5.22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Number four, it is how we receive the Word of God and are teachable. James one twenty one says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Now, humility there is talking about gentleness. And number five, it is how we are to walk and act towards others. Ephesians four one through two says, "Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called." There it is, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. So those are just quick five little points of why we are to study this and why we ought to increase our gentleness. Now, we're going to take a deeper look into gentleness and our daily conduct later, but first and foremost, we must look and go to our Lord. We study words and attributes such as these because that is who our Lord is, and because we are to be like him in every single way, so right now we are going to look at how Jesus is gentle. It's who he is. Matthew eleven twenty nine. He says this: "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." It really doesn't get any crystal clear than that. Jesus himself says. I am gentle and humble in heart. Matthew twenty one five, which is actually an Old Testament scripture, as you can find that in Isaiah 62.11 and Zechariah 9.9, but it says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So there it is, gentle. 2 Corinthians ten one. Paul talking here, again, through the Holy Spirit. Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. Okay? He urges the believers by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. So if Jesus is our Lord and we are his servants, we are to obey his commands and imitate him in all aspects of is life. And when I say imitate, I truly mean that. Listen to Galatians 2.20. So kind of second point here is we imitate our Lord. So if he is gentle, humble, meek, we ought to be that way too. And here's the reasons why. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live is in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. It is no longer us who lives, but we live in faith, in this flesh, in the Son of God. Romans eight twenty nine. we quote this all the time. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. So, the main focal point of that passage of scripture is predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. That's our goal. That's the goal of any believer. It's not for health, wealth, and prosperity, it's to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And here it is, the last one, first John two six, the one who says he abides in him, Jesus, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he did. Remember that word ought there in the Greek is ophilo, which is duty bound. Okay, we say we remain in him, say we abide in him. If we're in him truly, we will walk as he did. Now, we're going to look at a few things here. We're going to look at the example of Jesus' gentleness in one powerful story. So I want you to turn with me to the book of John, Chapter Eight. By the way, I would just recommend reading the entirety of Chapter Eight. As a matter of fact, we're not going to read all the way, but we're going to hit this pretty hard. But listen to this. Now, this has eleven verses here, so be patient with me. Uh, we're not going to read it all the way through, but just I'm going to give you the quick backstory. Okay. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman in, caught in adultery. And they set her in the center of the court, and they said to Jesus, in verse 4, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, in the law of Moses commanded to us to stone such a woman. What then do you say? So they were testing him, and they had grounds of uh, not just trying to confuse the situation they were trying to entrap him, what they were trying to do. They were trying to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground, but when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, here it is, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard this, they began one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone. And the woman where she was in the center of the court, straightened up. Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on and sin no more. See, (laughs) first off, the Pharisees were trying to entrap him, but what Jesus was trying to say here And what he did say is, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Are you without sin? They knew they weren't. That's why they dropped the stones and walked away. So Jesus had every single right to take them all at that moment, because he is sinless, perfect, righteous, and holy, and they are sinners sinning against his will his word, his ordinances and you know according to Romans 6:23, the wages of sin is death. so they all deserved that but he showed gentleness. I do not condemn you either. go from now on and sin no more. okay that's extremely important. Because he had every right to condemn her. Now, did she come and follow Jesus afterwards? My guess would be yes. Okay. But the point here is you see the gentleness of Christ in full display. Jesus is the absolute perfect model of gentleness. I'm going to take you to another passage of Scripture in Matthew 9, 36. And it's it's pretty well known, but Jesus is looking at a crowd, and it says in verse 36, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was not looking to rain down fire from heaven. What he was looking to do was to show mercy and grace to sinners that knew they were sinful, knew that they were doing the exact opposite of God's will, had no hope of salvation, and that's when Jesus can penetrate that heart with his word, with his truth, confront your sin, and in your sin, knowing that there's nothing you can do to stand right and holy before God, you turn to Jesus and embrace Him as your only hope of salvation. That's it. It's only in Him. That's why He is the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. But that is a such a beautiful, beautiful story of gentleness. And the question remains is this. Is that how we are to others? It's hard to do. Now, what I want to take you to now is Philippians 2. And you you probably already know where I'm going with this. I say it many, many times and it's so true. So Philippians 2 3 through 8. It's a lot here, but listen. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, here it is. Having this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. What attitude? We're going to find out. Well, we just read 3 and 4. That's the attitude, but it continues on in 6, 7, and 8. Listen to this. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard... Equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is complete and utter gentleness. Humility. Putting others above yourself. Your soul was online and he delivered. He came through. And that's why that is so important. So we looked at some examples of Jesus's gentleness. Now we're going to look at Jesus's power under control. Jesus's power under control. Because if you're confused by that, if you go back to our definition, it's truly is power that is under control. And why this is so important, as we're gonna find out here in a minute. So I want to take you to a few verses here to kind of give you a little bit of a background into the main point we're gonna make with this part is Hebrews 12 3. So let's go ahead and start there. So Hebrews 12, 3. Here's what it says. For consider him, Jesus, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus endured hostility by sinners. If you read through the book of John, The Pharisees were trying to kill him, not just once, but several different occasions. They were always trying to entrap him. They were always blaspheming him. Speaking of John chapter 8, they called him, now listen to me here, the Pharisees called Jesus a demon-possessed Samaritan. That was probably the absolute worst thing you could call somebody at that point in time in history. They were accrediting Jesus' holy work to Satan. So the Holy Spirit's work, they were accrediting that to Satan. That's about as low a blow as you can go. But how did Jesus respond? Always with grace, always with truth. His power was truly under control, because First Peter 2.23, being reviled, didn't revile in return. Acts 8.32, a sheep to the slaughter, the lamb before its shearer is silent, didn't even open his mouth. The whole chapter of John 19, was talking about the crown of thorns, the insults, the scourgings. Beat to the face. Luke twenty three, same thing. And what did Jesus do? Luke twenty three, thirty-four. Father forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. Wow. Now I say all these things to bring you to this point. Jesus' eternal power, his Word creates worlds, universes, stars, moons, the heavens, everything. The animals, people, everything you can think of was created by his word. Yet he did not speak. Because your salvation was on the line. The transgressions that we just walk easily into the four-letter words that come out our mouth, just like drinking water, he paid the penalty for that that sin so that you didn't have to. And my friends, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. When temptation comes your way, when you feel that sin that you have struggled with for a long time starting to flare up, and it's starting to present itself again, before you commit the sin, I want you to think of this. The sin that I'm about ready to commit, Jesus had to pay for with his blood and his life. It cost him his life. Don't do it. You can say no. You who have been born again have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you the full Holy Spirit dwelling within you, you have the power to say no. You have the power to say no because you have a new spirit within you that says, well, wait a minute here. Jesus died for that. And I don't I don't want to insult him like that. I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to be separate from him. I don't want to mess up our relationship. But sinners, they answer to nobody. Who cares? I do what I want. But while Jesus was being insulted, scourged, crown of thorns, crucified, blasphemed, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture because this point I'm about ready to make has been, I've been telling everybody, And I'm going to tell you now because it is so powerful. So turn with me to Matthew 26, 51 through 53. This is is going to blow you away here, these next few verses. All right. So Jesus, his power was under control. Jesus had perfect self-control. Because you've heard people say this before. Or maybe you haven't. Maybe it's the first time you ever heard of it. But Jesus at any point could have called down from heaven and eradicated this world of life itself because of the insult, because of their arrogance and pridefulness and ugliness of their sin and their hatred towards him. At any point could have called that down, but he didn't. But listen to this. Matthew 26, 51 through 53 says, And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. You know who that is. And Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or, now this is the verse I want you to pay attention to, or do you think... That I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Now, I looked this up. A legion was equivalent to 6,000 troops. Okay? 6,000 troops. So, 12 legions is equivalent to 72,000 angels. Now that's just that's just the number 12 there, okay? We know 12 is used throughout the Bible quite a bit. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's more than 12 legions of angels in heaven, but you get my point. So 12 legions of angels equates to 72,000 angels. Now, this next part is absolutely incredible. I want you to turn with me to 2nd Kings 2 Kings, you heard me, (laughs) 2 Kings 19, and I want you to go all the way down to the 35th verse. If you need to pause it, pause it. Here's what it says. Then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord, angel, one, singular, that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185 thousand in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. Now, some of you think you have an idea where I'm going with this, and you might be correct. Listen to this. If you take the 12 legions of angels, the 72,000, and times that by 185,000 people that it could possibly eradicate. So one angel per 185,000. So again, 185,000 times 72,000. You know what that gets you? 13,320,000,000 people. What's the Earth's population? 8 billion. So at any moment at any point when Jesus was on this earth, he could have easily said, all right, that's it. I'm done. I am sick of their sin. I am sick of their blasphemy against my Father, blasphemy against me, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. I'm done. Father, send them down. It would have happened in an instant. That is the ultimate power of, under-control example you could ever read about. Doesn't that just blow your mind? What does that say of the patience of God? What does that say of the mercy of God? We just did an episode on that. He's rich in mercy. That's why he didn't call down the fire from heaven. So let me just say this to you all right now. Get on your knees and thank the Lord that he is patient with you, okay? I mean, just wow. That's that's who he is. That's who he is. He's compassionate. He's full of grace, full of mercy. He's so gentle. He's so humble, so long-suffering. Now, what does this mean for us? That means we, We need to be self controlled. I'm going to take you to a few verses that talk about self control. So, the first one we're going to look at is actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to go 24 through 27 says this, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises, here it is, self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. See, so we need to practice that kind of self-control. And the reality is, do we actually do that? And a lot of times the answer is no. But I want you to turn with me now to Titus eight. And as we're getting there, understand that right now that at this moment we're talking about our self-control. We must be self-controlled just like Jesus was. That's the whole point. If he is our Lord, we do what he says. We follow what he did. And that is so amazing. So Titus chapter 1 verse 8, listen to this. But hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, Devout, self-controlled. Now, this is talking about qualifications of elders, but one of those qualifications is being self-controlled or gentle. Very, very important. Let's look at First Peter 5.8. First Peter 5.8, which says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So we must be self-controlled in all things. And one of those wonderful spiritual qualities found in 2 Peter chapter 1, we talk about them all the time, but here, going all the way down to verse 6, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance. So in that and all those qualities, if you are increasing those qualities, you will never stumble in your fall. That is why we do those things. It's so important. So as we start to get to the tail end of this study, we're going to look at a couple last things here about church conduct and personal conduct when it comes to gentleness. But let's go over kind of what what we've talked about so far. So the first thing we talked about, we had those five main points at the beginning. Then we talked about Jesus's gentleness. That's who he is. We are to be like him. Then we looked at examples of Jesus's gentleness. Then we looked at Jesus's power under control. Then we looked at how we, we must be self-controlled. Now we're going to look at how the church is supposed to conduct themselves in gentleness, so, I already kind of talked to you just briefly about qualifications of an elder, but as we start to get to this point here we're first we're going let's go to galatians six one but understand that this is a lot more in depth than I was expecting i mean this this study was truly a blessing and it's still ongoing and and it's something I'm trying to work towards, and that's always the beauty of God is that He always takes you in these directions that He wants you to work on and sanctify you in. And, and the way we get sanctified is through this Holy Spirit by the work of the Word in our hearts. Now, here we are. We're going to start in Galatians 6.1. It says, Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted so here and why this is so important in the church is that there are going to be people who are caught up in these trespasses and sins it, it's just it's just inevitable but we who are spiritual okay we are to restore them with a spirit of gentleness. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians 4 21. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? So think about this. If you were the one caught in that trespass and sin, would you want a rod coming at you or love and a spirit of gentleness? Me, I'm not a rod type of person, okay? I don't like being treated that way if i'm if I'm wrong, gently correct me I will fix it and try not to make the same mistake twice but when people come at me with that that iron fist that rod and they're like you know and they are really harsh with you, I don't respond to that I don't really respond well to that so it's just what do you prefer okay so if you don't like that, you shouldn't do that to other people as well now, what I want to also show you is First Thessalonians two seven, but we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly caring for her own children. That's how we need to be towards other people. And in the church, we fail at this. Okay? We fail at this. I'm trying to get better at it as well. And this is why it's so important to be gentle like our Lord is. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 11. I am gentle and humble. That's how we need to be towards other people. Because a lot of times we compare ourselves and we, and we look at people and say, wow, they're not spiritually there yet. Wow, this Bible study, I got so much out of it and you only got one thing out of it. How does that work? We don't do that. There are people at different areas in their walk with Christ and if we smash down their confidence, we break them down, we treat them not the way Christ has treated us, we may lose a brother or sister in Christ, and that is not worth it. So we need to be tender, gentle, as a nursing mother, tenderly cares for her own children. I'm just going to say this from personal experience. Watching my wife being a mother is one of the greatest privileges I've ever had, and seeing how gentle she is with her children, our children, it's such a such a blessing because I know that that they are in, in the greatest of hands. That that's a mother who has been transformed by the power of Christ, who loves. As Christ loved us, so as she loves our children. And I'll tell you what. I pray that for all men that you find a wife, such as that, such a privilege. But, you know, with those little children, with those little babies, you have to be so careful. And and they're so tender. And you you see the, the soft you know, rubbing of. Of like the baby's head, or the, you know, rubbing rubbing the baby's back, or those type of things. It's it's the, it's that tenderness that, that God treats us. That's an attribute of God, by the way. That's who He is. And the tenderness of God, the gentleness of God, the kindness, the mercy of God. That's what draws us in. That's what breaks us down to our absolute lowest point because our our sins separate us from a god like that. And I'm not sure about you, but I don't want to be separated from God who is like that. So that is the way that we are to conduct ourselves as a church. But now let's look at personal conduct. Let's look at personal conduct. Let's get let's get let's get real here for a minute. Let's look at Proverbs 15:1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We could talk about this for another hour. Don't worry, we're not. But a gentle answer turns away wrath. How many times do you see in sports, in movies, TV, that people think it's a, a virtue cussing somebody out or when someone is wronging you to retaliate and cuss them out back to get in each other's face. But wouldn't it be amazing if a person got in someone else's face and their fists were clenched and their teeth were gritted and that person hugged them and told them how much they loved them? They didn't, re- they didn't retaliate that way. Wouldn't that be amazing? probably wouldn't go over too well, but do you see my point? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's very hard to not be emotional. God never says trust your emotions. Matter of fact, in the heart study we did, and the sermon that I kind of remastered, we talked about how he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. So therefore, he or she who trusts in their own heart/emotions are fools. Not my words or gods. So the truth is, God does not wanting us to be people who trust in our emotions, we trust in him. He wants us to be self-controlled as his son was self-controlled, who did not engage insult for insult. He didn't pay that back. What did he do? He entrusted himself to God who is faithful. So we looked at Proverbs 15.1. So let's look at Proverbs 16.32. And this scripture kind of goes along with it, very powerful, Listen to this. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit, or self-controlled, than he who captures his city. But what sells? Violence, people beating their chest, who can dominate somebody physically. Being slow to anger and self-controlled in their spirit, that is what God is looking for. That's what God's looking for. So let's look at these next two very, very powerful scriptures about how we're supposed to conduct ourselves in gentleness. Listen to this. Ephesians 4, 1 through 2 says, Therefore I, of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Wow. With all humility, all gentleness, that's how we are supposed to walk, and that's how we are supposed to be towards other people. Listen to Colossians 3.12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, that's you now. We were enemies of God. We were in the domain of darkness. But now we are chosen of God, holy and beloved. Now, what are we supposed to do? Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's how we're supposed to conduct ourselves with other people. And not just the brothers and sisters in Christ, but those who oppose us. Who hate us because we bear the name of Christ. So what is the the biggest takeaway of today? We are gentle because our Lord is gentle. And we love him. We have a desire to serve him, honor him, and glorify him. And the best way we do that is to be conforming to his image, and that is in gentleness. That's one of the ways. But well, listen to Matthew 5.5 5 as we close with this. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, blessed here means happy. Blessed here means happy. And we're not talking about happiness as in, you know, um, I got a $500 bonus check in the mail, therefore I'm happy. Now, this is talking about spiritual prosperity, okay? Spiritual well-being. That's what blessed means. Happy in our spirits. They shall inherit the earth. So here's the deal. We are humble and gentle to God and others. Believers have joy if he or she is meek or humble or gentle. It is a spiritual prosperity, not earthly happiness. So believers, you will have pure joy if you are gentle in this world. That is who Jesus is. That is what we are called to be. So let us from this point, as we move forward in our walk with Christ, pray for a spirit of gentleness, because as we conclude, I'm gonna leave you with this last verse. I know I said we're we're done, but this is so important. If you turn to Philippians chapter four, verse five, here it is. Here's the exhortation, here's the grand finale let your gentle spirit be known to all men why the lord is near let your gentle spirit be known to all men the lord is near do you have a gentle spirit maybe your spirit is a little bit prideful maybe it's harsh maybe some of the things before you were a christian have kind of shaped you into that mold of being harsh and prideful. But the word of Christ, which we're supposed to richly dwell within us, let that break you and remold you back into the conformity of who Jesus is and his love, grace, mercy, and gentleness is what we are to show to others. Jesus says, I am gentle and humble. Learn from me. We learn from him. If we learn from him, then we let our gentle spirit be known to all men. It's a struggle. It's hard. But God is good, and he will sanctify you in that area. That's what he is looking for. So let your gentle spirit be known to all men, because the Lord is near. Amen. So with that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps each and every single one of you and gives you peace. And remember, everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. Until next time, God bless you all.